I went home the other day and Linda said, I love that song. said, I've been playing it, dancing all over the kitchen. I said, don't do that. Somebody might think you're a Presbyterian. <laughs> President Sorensen, good to see you. We're always happy to have uh, our Presbyterian brethren here. And uh, thank you for the work that you have done at the university. Appreciate you coming. We have barely entered into a new year, and each new year comes with a certain amount of hope and apprehension. What does the year bring? Well, we really don't know, and that's the reason for the apprehension. And so there is the threat of terrorism, there's the uncertainty of the economy, there's the deterioration of our values, and then, of course, there is the normal fear that we all deal with. For instance, the fear of getting old. Now, I know when I say that, that there are people here in their 20s and 30s who say, well, I, I'm not scared of getting old. Well, you will be. <laughs> I remember when Linda uh, turned 40, and she thought she had gotten old at that time. And I told her, I said, well, I'm, I'm, I think you have gotten old. I'm going to trade you in for 220s. <laughs> and she said, you're not wired for 220, and so that didn't work that well. But all of us have that fear, as, as time goes by, that we're getting older and that our best days are behind us, that we are going to be set aside. For instance, Abraham believed that because of his age, he was disqualified from the promise of God. God had promised to Abraham that he was going to have a child in his old age. And the Bible says that Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Would a child be born to a man 100 years old? Lord, that's not going to happen to me. I'm, I'm too old for that. And so there is the fear of getting old. David was concerned that as he got older, God would set him aside. And so in Psalm 71, he said, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails and even when I am old and grave. Oh, God, do not forsake me. So we all struggle with getting older. Steve was barely in his 30s when he came here. Life has been hard, hasn't it? <laughs> and the truth is, he is more concerned with my age than he is his. But nevertheless, there is the natural fear of, of getting old. There is the fear of younger people that because of their age, because they are young, that God can't use them. That was Jeremiah. When the Lord said, Jeremiah wants you to be a prophet, he said, Lord, I'm too young and inexperienced to be used of you. There's the fear of being inadequate, that we can't really count for God. We can't really make a difference in society because I am inadequate for the task. And that was the fear of Moses. When Moses was called by God, Moses responded to the Lord by saying, Why should Pharaoh listen to me? You want me to go and speak to Pharaoh and, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go? Why should he listen to me? And then, of course, there are some who are fearful of the future because of past failures. How can the Lord use me? Peter must have felt that way. Peter had denied the Lord, and surely he thought, How can God ever use me after denying him? David must have felt that way. David committed adultery. And David must have had that time in his life when he thought, how can God ever use me? And there are some of you who look at your lives and you say, because of failures in my past, God can't use me. My best days are behind me. So today I want to speak to you on the subject, fear no evil. Take your Bibles, turn with me please, to Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ladies and gentlemen, as we are early in this new year, you need not fear because God has designed the new year for you. And he has promised that we would live without want. In verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I am not speaking here because David was not speaking here of a prosperity gospel of the name it and claim it. You see, it is God who satisfies us, therefore, we do not want. He has promised that he would provide for us. In verse number two, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I have been to Israel many times and have seen the shepherds as they have taken their sheep out to pasture as the shepherd provides for the sheep. And the point that he is making here is that God, the chief shepherd, provides for us, and he does. David had said in Psalm 37, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Paul said in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And folks, that's my testimony. God has provided for me so abundantly, so graciously. Has he not you? Beyond anything that you ever dreamed, God has provided. I look back when the Lord called us into ministry in those early days, and literally there were times when we had no food in the house. And that God provided for us. I remember when I, I had one suit and it was worn out. And Linda began to pray that the Lord would do something to provide some clothes for me. And John Bassanio called me and told me to come over and he gave me five suits. I look back and say that God has provided every need in my life. And that is the promise that he makes. That we will lie down in green pastures. I've learned to trust the Lord concerning that. He promised his protection in verse 2. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, you see, the shepherd's concern about the sheep is that they get to running water, to a rushing stream or river, and as they lean over to drink, the water splashes up into the wool, and the weight of the water in the wool would drown the sheep. And so he says that the shepherd protects the sheep. Does God protect us? Has he protected you? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, I thought that I, I put three men in. Who is the fourth who looks like the Son of God? Well, that was God protecting his children. Daniel went into the lion's den and it was God who protected his child. Oh, I pray for the protection of my family. And I pray for many of you. But God protects His children. He provides for us so graciously, and He protects us. And He's promised prosperity in verse number 5b. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. God blesses us beyond anything we could have dreamed. Jesus said in John 10:10, 10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it, what? 
abundantly. Albert Barnes wrote, The word denotes that which is not absolutely essential to life, but which is super added to make life happy. They shall not merely have life, simple, bare existence, but they shall have all those super added things which are needful to make that life eminently blessed and happy. That's the promise of God for us. He has promised to provide for us. He has promised to protect us. He has promised His provision. But the Lord's blessings does not exempt from responsibility, does it? You see, the, the shepherd provides for the sheep, but then the sheep have responsibility. They produce other sheep. They produce clothing for the shepherd. Or they become food for the shepherd and his family. So the shepherd takes care of the sheep, and the sheep takes care of the shepherd. What does God expect of you? As his child, what does he expect of you? Well, he expects fruit from you. If you're a believer, he expects spiritual fruit from you. In fact, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, Paul wrote, But the fruit of the Spirit is... Now, this is what he expects. Love, joy, peace. Folks, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to go on with that, but let me, let me... I was just thinking here. Sometimes I see the people of God and they get all caught up in legalism. And in the process, they lose their peace. They lose their joy. God wants you to have His joy. And that's the fruit of the Spirit working in your life. That as the Spirit of God works in your life, there is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the Lord wants out of your life. That, that your life produces spiritual fruit. And then, of course, there's evangelistic fruit. Because the Scripture says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. It becomes our responsibility to bring others to faith in Christ, that we share the good news, that others can hear the good news, and they come to know Christ as Savior. Oh, it's early in this new year. Don't worry about it. Don't fear it, because God has promised to meet your needs. And then, don't fear as you face danger. You see, God's provision and God's presence in our life does not eliminate danger. There's a danger of complacency. We can consume the blessings of God and forget the danger that is around us. There's a danger that we find in relationships. Let me say to the young people, be careful with your relationships that you don't establish a relationship that takes you away from God. Don't become complacent in that. And let me say to the rest of us that don't become complacent in the relationships that you have, that you take someone for granted. But, oh, love them. Love them. And tell them you love them. Men, do you tell your wife every day that, that you love her? Right now, just do that so you can get that done today. If you're seated next to your wife, just tell her, say, I love you. Did you do that, Bob? All right. I, don't take it for granted. Don't take those relationships for granted. There's the danger of becoming complacent in your work. And as was stated earlier, that, that it becomes drudgery to us. That's one of the things I love about Steve. He is as excited, if not more so, about his work today and the Lord today than he was when he came 20 years ago. 
Students don't become complacent about learning. You see, there is the danger of becoming complacent. We just get in the routine or the rut of things and, and we ignore those relationships and the work that God has given to us. There's the danger of carelessness. Be careful with your desires. David had gone out on the rooftop and as he was out there, he looked down and saw Bathsheba bathing. And he desired her, and you know the story, as to how it ended in tragedy. It affected Be careful with your desires. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear. There can be careless pursuits that take us apart from God. Folks, be careful that your pursuits don't lead you away from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 81, 11, and 12, But my people do not listen to my voice. And Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. You know what I believe? I think that you can have desires that are apart from God, and if you pursue them long enough that God can say, I'm going to give it to you. And let it work out its consequence in your life. You see, Eve desired the forbidden fruit, and God allowed her to have it. I know people who have desired things that, that seemed to be good things, but when they received them, they ended up leading them away from the Lord. There will be dangers, but you don't have to fear because God will be with you, but don't become complacent and don't become careless. You don't have to fear because God delivers. In verse number 3, He restores my soul. When we, when we stray away from God, God has to restore us because we can't do it ourselves. Now, how does He do that? When we stray away from God, God has to restore us. How? Well, first of all, there are times when something has to be removed. For instance, a shepherd will shear the sheep and remove that that caused the sheep to look big. And sometimes God has to remove something from us that has given us significance apart from God. Now, that might be position. Perhaps the Lord has given you a position, but that position has become too big in your life, too important in your life, and it could be that God has to remove that position in order to restore you. Sometimes it's prominence. I have known people who have become prominent either through wealth or position or whatever it is, and as a result of the prominence that they've had that has led them away from God. And in order for God to restore them, sometimes He has to remove prominence. Sometimes it's relationships. And, and to be candid with you, I don't really grasp this. I have some problems in this area. But I was reading last night about Abraham being asked to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And that seems, uh, there's a lot I don't understand. I understand some of the lessons that are learned from it, but there's a lot that I don't understand about that. But I know that there are times whenever a relationship has to be removed in order to restore. And in fact, the Scripture says in Ezekiel 24, verses 16 and 18, Son of man... Behold, I am about to take from you the desire of your eyes with a blow. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and in the evening my wife died. 
And in the morning I did as I was commanded. Sometimes God has to remove something that has given us significance apart from Him in order to restore us. Sometimes restoration requires restriction that we might become dependent on God. I had a friend in Dallas who was a pastor, and he told me once, this was years ago, he told me about going to Israel and becoming friends with a shepherd. And he asked the shepherd as they were talking on one occasion, what happens whenever a sheep wanders off, because they notoriously do that. And he said, well, then we go and get the sheep and bring it back. He said, but if it, if it does so habitually, if it constantly wanders off, what do you do? He said, well, then on occasions we will have to break the sheep's leg. And he said, and then I carry the sheep wherever it goes. He said, but it's, it's ears next to my heart. And during that time, it is the time that the sheep learns the shepherd's heart. Sometimes God has to restrict us so that we learn his heart. Remember Jacob wrestling with the angel? And he was crippled, but he heard the voice of God. The Bible says that Paul had a, had a thorn in the flesh. But through that, he heard the voice of God. Sometimes God has to restrict us to restore us, and so He says he, he restores my soul. Let me conclude. Believers fall. Now, I do not, by saying that, I do not believe that we lose salvation. I believe that it is a relationship that is secure in Christ. So I don't mean that. But we fall in fellowship. You see, to be restored means that you fall. I mean, it indicates that there is the possibility of falling. Peter did. Peter fell when he denied the Lord. And when we lose that fellowship with God, then God has to do something to restore us just as he did with Peter. You remember when he met with Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Now, this was after he had denied him. Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, well, then feed my sheep. But there is that restoration. And then you see the result of it. What happens when the Lord restores us? He restores us to fellowship. Verse number 3, He restores my soul, the fellowship. There is guidance. Verse number 3 continues, He guides me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. And then there are blessings. Look at verse number 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I was brought up in a Christian home. My mother and father were Christians. My dad was a deacon. I guess that's the reason I love these guys down here. I pick on them a lot, but I love those guys. My dad was a deacon. Mother taught Sunday school. So when, uh, when I was growing up, I was taken to church regularly. When I got to be about 12, 13 years old, I began to drop out. I began to wander away from the Lord. Even though I had made a profession of faith in Christ when I was a child in vacation Bible school, and I believed that I was saved then, I began to wander away from the Lord when I was 12 or 13. And so through my high school years, I was away from the Lord. My college years, I was away from the Lord. And early years of marriage, I was away from the Lord. When Stephanie was born, she was a baby. I, I saw her once uh, sitting in the... Uh, I used to sleep every Sunday until noon like some of these deacons do every Sunday. <laughs> Except I was home when I slept. But I'd sleep every Sunday, and one Sunday I got up and I was reading the paper, and I saw Stephanie over there, and I thought, she ought to be in church. And so we began looking for church. 
And God began to work in my life and convict me that I was not right with him. And so we, we went to church. I remember John Bassanio was preaching on that Sunday. And I went forward and dedicated anew my life to the Lord. And my life has never been the same. God totally changed my life. Totally changed my life. From not going to church to going all the time, reading the Bible, loving the Bible, praying, loving the things of God, being called to preach. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that the Lord did a work in my life and has allowed me the privilege of serving Him. So I responded to that invitation just as you can today. Even if you're away from the Lord, He restores our soul. He restores us as we turn to Him. That's what I would ask today. If you're a child of God, you know Jesus Christ, but you've wandered away from Him, today would you dedicate anew your life to Him? Jesus, I want my life to count. If you've never come to know Him, today I encourage you to trust Him. Father, we come to a time of invitation, and we pray, Lord, for the move of the Holy Spirit. Father, that you would draw people to Christ, that they might be saved. And, Father, for Christians who are away from you, that today they would be restored to fellowship. Lord, we'd pray for those who are looking for a church home. Help them to feel welcome here if this is where you want them to be. But I pray, Lord, that you will bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. Invitation will be extended for you. If you're here without Christ, come to receive Him. To join the church, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you. You come. Stand together, please. I'll greet you as you come as the choir sings.